Sooner Nation, Longhorn fans, welcome to episode 82 of the Boomer Bevo podcast, the only podcast exclusively dedicated to covering the greatest rivalry in college football, University of Texas, and the University of Oklahoma. I'm here with my man, Kevin Miller. I am John Whitson. Kevin, people that don't understand sports and the reasons why people like you and I love sports, and especially college football, and especially the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas, I don't think they realize what those things really mean to us as sports fans. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. So I have a neighbor next door and her dad was diagnosed with in-stage cancer over the summer. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this past week they were given word that it was at the very end, like hospice is coming in, family needs to be around them, whatever the case may be right this past week. And so they get out there to, um, Eakley, Oklahoma, which is just out in the middle of nowhere, right? And, you know, they're making plans, like, who's going to the game on Saturday? We got tickets. Are we going to go? Are we going to go? Well, the dad turns to his daughter and says, my neighbor, and says, hey, do you think you could just stay with me and watch this ball game?" And, of course, she said yes, right? I, yeah, this is – I would love to say it. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to stay here and watch the ball game. And so – they watch the ball game together, right? People are in and out, but they're together watching the ball game. She said he was completely lucid. He was in the game, yelling at everybody, yelling at Zach Schmidt, missing field goals, cheering <laughs> when Nick Anderson scoring touchdowns, right? He was in it. She was like, I hadn't seen him feel that good in over a couple weeks. And it was just, it was like, it was really powerful to spend that time together. And then of course, that evening, things kind of go south. And by Sunday morning, he had passed away. Wow. And I say that to say, that's what I'm saying. I say, and it meant when she told me the story, I was like, I was really tough because his last moments that he's going to remember. And, you know, I don't know what happens. We don't know what happens, but with your daughter watching an OU game, getting to bond like that. And for her to take those last memories of being with her dad and getting to bond and, and spend that time over an OU game. It, it, Oklahoma football, Texas football, whatever you put your school in, it doesn't matter. It unites generations. It bridges gaps. It it allows people from different backgrounds, different circumstances and different ages to have something to, to kind of bond with. And so I heard that story and it just, there's this thing that, that goes on with me. I, uh, anytime sports center runs something sad or my wish comes on ESPN, you know what I'm talking about. It's called me and a, me and a buddy of mine. We text back and forth. We call it sports tears, right? Those are sports tears because they kind of get you, get you, they tug at you. Oh yeah, well, when, sure. When my neighbor told me about this story, it just gave me sports tears, and I felt the need to share it because it just uh, I thought it was so cool that the the one thing he wanted to do was spend time with her and watch the OU Sooners. So yeah, well, sorry for the loss to your neighbor. You know, sorry yeah. for the loss. But yeah, if that's going to be your last day on earth, right? You get to spend it doing what you love. Absolutely, comfort in that. So, uh, sure. Ron, Ron Subia, you were sooner born, sooner bred, and uh, rest in peace. So, anyway, that's that's what sports means to me. I just wanted to say it. I just wanted to get out there. I hope that wasn't Soon. too weird. Not at all, man. Come on. All right. Um, transitioning to some football and what gets people all excited, so that when they're on their deathbed, they can watch it and be fired up about it. Is stuff like signing five star Ryan Wingo to the University of Texas. What do you feel about this? You fired up? Yeah. Happy Wingo Wednesday, man. Yeah, we're really fired up. Look, this is a five-star kid from St. Louis, wide receiver, came down to Texas and Missouri. Word had gotten out over the last week. We all thought he was going to Missouri. He was going to choose Missouri, right? I think most writers who cover Texas had conceded that they thought Missouri was going to be the pick. So I don't know what happened over the last few days, but um, he ended up picking Texas, and I am excited about it. Can never have too many five stars, and that's a position of need because we potentially lose Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, and Jordan Winnington. So our, our three starting receivers from this year could be gone. 
Is he uh is he an instant contributor? Will he play right away? Yes, absolutely. He is absolutely a day one contributor, potentially a day one starter. Um this is just me, and I'm gonna try to put a silver lining around you guys signing a five star. All right. Here's the silver lining around you guys signing a five star is by Missouri not signing another five-star, does that increase the chances of williams Winery potentially thinking about decommitting from Missouri? Maybe. Why not? Why not? You know, and one of the – it's interesting because the thing about it is we thought Texas had him a while ago, but with this season that Missouri was having and the fact that their receiver, Luther Burden, had looked outstanding so far. Former OU commit, by the way, Luther Burden. Yep. Has been playing so well, it just was making sense. It was all lining up perfectly for Missouri. But I'm glad we were able to win out. Hopefully we can hold on to his commitment, right? Because nothing's official until National Signing Day. I'll never forget in 2019 when Oklahoma signed three five-star red receivers. Man, did not work out at all. No. No, um, I saw Lincoln Riley at a restaurant. You know, if you'll remember this, Kevin, this was a it was a company party. Do you remember this at uh, Jones Assembly downtown? Yeah, this was our uh, holiday party. It was our the holiday 20, party. 2018? 20, 2018, that's correct. Um, 2018 going into 19. And um, so it was over the holidays. The early signing period had just occurred. And in walked. Lincoln Riley and his wife with another uh, OU sporting head, uh, sports head coach. I'm not going to name names. He doesn't need to be slandered at this time. This doesn't involve him. And uh, But I made it a point of going over and congratulating Lincoln Riley on signing a great class. Everybody was fired up. He was very smug and very cocky about this. It's funny side note. Funny side note about this. Uh, I knew his waitress. I went to grad school with his waitress at UCO. And so we're talking about it. I go, hey. I bet you were pretty fired up when you got to wait on Lincoln Riley because he probably left you a really big tip at Christmas time. And she was like, oh, you think so? Because it was a $300 tab and he left me 30 bucks. What do you think about that? Well, 10% tip? A 10% tip at Christmas at Jones Assembly? Are you kidding me? That's just hanging. Wow. You know what, dude? That was the first chink in the armor for me. Anyway, I digress. We got, yeah, plenty, is, we got plenty of Lincoln Riley. Yeah, there's a lot of Lincoln Riley ammo. <laughs> we got plenty of Lincoln Riley to talk about. Hey, uh, just, uh, Oklahoma's playing Kansas. Uh, Texas is hosting BYU. It's a pretty good game, so we want to get to those two games pretty quick. But we've got to start with a look around the country. Um, in the early games, Florida State is at Wake Forest, 20.5-point favorite. I don't think Wake is the team to knock Florida State off, but I guess anything's possible. Indiana's at Penn State um, as they look to bounce back from a loss against Ohio State. I think they will. South Carolina at AM. AM is a 14 point favorite. Um, I don't know if we're going to pick this game, but that line seems really interesting that is to me. Very, very interesting. I don't trust AM with any kind of double digit line. The only like, thing that makes sense about that is the fact that AM does have a good defensive line, right? And South Carolina has one of the worst offensive lines I've seen this year. So yeah. that must be the reason. I don't think AM loses this game, but I just don't trust him with a double-digit two-touchdown line. I. But that is very interesting. But I, I don't think we're picking it because neither of these teams are ranked. So, you know. Uh Houston's at K-State, 17 and a half points. Interesting to see K-State be such a high um be such a heavy favorite following uh, Houston playing y'all so closely. My only thought is maybe they think that took a lot out of the Houston game and it's on the road at K-State. K-State, again, 17.5-point favorite. West Virginia is at UCF. The UCF, actually a seven-point favorite, coming off a narrow loss to Oklahoma. Uh, Georgia is uh, Georgia and Florida. Florida is getting 14.5, the biggest cocktail party in the world. Is it? Is that what it was called? The world's largest is cocktail outdoor, party. outdoor cocktail party. Is world's, world's largest party. outdoor cocktail party. That's correct. Yeah. Very interesting name. They try, um, to, they try to compare it to the Red River Shootout. Man, it's not close. No, Shout out to they, those fans. Shout out to those fools. But come on, man. No, but they, they, they split it like 
in the like, end zone vertically or yeah you know, it's long way it starts yeah. at like halfway in the end zone it just, it's not the same man and jacksonville uh, come on maybe one of the best pre-planned touchdown celebrations in college football do you remember that oh my goodness absolutely it was so good dude they uh, brought out the what, whole team if you don't know what we're talking about georgia had struggled against Florida for a lot of years. I think Urban Meyer was still coaching, or maybe it was right after. Yeah, well, no, it was Urban Meyer. And uh, Georgia scores a touchdown to go up 7 nothing, and Mark Richt unleashed his entire team on the touchdown celebration. Gladly took the 15-point penalty. You remember the big guy out there oh, dancing? Oh, yeah. Oh, my uh-huh. God, dude. It was so yeah, good. Had the whole team to go and taunt the <laughs> And dude, Georgia, Georgia beat them down that game, dude. They Georgia did. beat them down. It was a that was a lot of fun because that was a big deal knocking Florida off back then. Georgia's number one, getting 14 and a half. I think we're gonna pick this game. Um, this is Georgia's first test since Kentucky. I don't know. It's it's a neutral field, so we'll see. Uh we can talk a little bit more about that one when we pick it. Um, the only there's two games between ranked opponents. First one's Oregon at Utah. Utah's getting six and a half. Uh, the winner stays alive in the Pac-12 race. You got to think Oregon has the upper hand in winning this game. I don't know about the spread necessarily, but they yeah, Oregon's got to win this game. Right. We keep rating on Utah to run out of luck, right? I mean, they lost to was at Oregon State, right? But they were able to to withstand. They beat a good UCLA team. Obviously, we saw what they did to USC last week. But you have to think, man, Oregon with that running game. And that defense, you'd have to think Oregon will handle business. Well, think of the way Bo Nix plays, too. Bo Nix is playing yeah. great. I mean, as much derided as that guy's been over his career, he is having a heck of a year this year. He really is. And Utah's a good defense. We've seen this. We know this. It's not, it's not, and it's at Utah, which is why I think the line's as low as it is at six and a half. This will probably be another game we pick. The other one between uh, matched uh, ranked opponents is Duke at Louisville. Is Riley Leonard out? You know, I'm not sure, but, you know, he got that pretty bad licking injury. I think he kind of re-aggravated the injury he already had against I think Florida State. He must be out because Louisville's a four-point favorite, and I think the only way he they're a four-point favorite is with him out. Um, we can check on that. We need to pick that game, so when we go to pick that game, we'll check on that. If you'll check on that, Kevin, while I'm going through this, Absolutely. we'll know about it when we, when we pick. Uh, Iowa State at Baylor. Baylor's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Virginia at Miami. Miami's a 19 and a half point favorite. Mississippi State at Auburn, Auburn six and a half points. Um, this is an interesting game of note, Kevin. Uh, I tried really, 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 really hard not to mention Lincoln Riley until we talked about this game, but alas, that was almost impossible. You, you, can't, uh, US, you can't resist. You soon just cannot resist. I try as hard as I can, and it's, uh, it's difficult. USC is at Cal. Cal is getting 10 and a half points. Um, I think the biggest question here is, Kevin, maybe you've got information on it. Maybe you've got breaking news. Will Lincoln Riley be healthy enough to coach the game? I don't know, but missing two days of practice, that's very interesting, man. First, we were kind of laughing about it. Like, come on, man, missing the press conference with an illness. But for him to miss practice, it sounds like there may be something to this. I haven't heard anything specific, but it's very interesting. Um, but he was there today, right? I don't know. He was at practice today. Today's Honestly. Wednesday. I was think he? he was at practice. Nothing says he wasn't. Um, uh, we talked about this on our Sunday recap about not letting players speak to the media. And then he misses his coach's show on Monday for being sick. And then he obviously misses the press conference that is held every Tuesday because he is sick. Kevin. Are you willing to acknowledge that there is a high probability that his illness is what is classically known as loser's limp? Or do you think indeed he was suffering from a severe enough malady to keep a coach making $10 million a year from at least at a minimum holding a Zoom press conference? What are your thoughts? Okay, missing, I thought that may have been the case, right? Loser's limp? Yes, but when you miss practice, there's no way he's, he's missing practice unless there's something legitimate going on. You practice? Coaches don't miss practice. Um, 
I just, I just looked it up. ESPN had an article, and the headline from the article says, USC coach Riley back at practice being treated for pneumonia. Well, I can tell you this. In all seriousness, I did have pneumonia last year over Thanksgiving, and it really, really sucks. I uh, was I would have been able to hold a press conference. I don't know. Maybe I'm just mentally and physically stronger than Lincoln Riley, which is probably likely. But um, it does suck. It does suck. But I'm telling you what, dude, it's awfully convenient. It is awfully convenient. My my issue is, you know, not having the players available for the media after the game. Right. I mean, Caleb Williams can handle that. He can handle going in front of the media. Um, That's my issue. You can't alienate the media in Los Angeles. You just can't do it. It's a di- it's you, you really shouldn't do it anywhere. Even you shouldn't even do it in Norman, right? You shouldn't do it. I know he did it. He did it there too, right? He, he did not have a great relationship with a lot of the beat writers and the reporters here in in Oklahoma. But you certainly cannot do that. No, in Los Angeles. So we're gonna have to figure some out because you can't be in Hollywood and not have a relationship with the media. It, that's not how it works. And they're not one going of, to accept it there. Uh, one of Colin Cowherd's early takes on Lincoln Riley had to do with USC coaching job in general. And he his take was, and I think I think his take actually makes sense. Just unfortunately for him, Lincoln Riley was the wrong example. But his take was that the USC head coach has to almost be like a pro coach. Right? They have to understand that they're not going to be able to control everything, right? It's, it's LA, it's the LA market, it's star power, it's people on the sidelines. It's, um, it's hot, especially with these NIL deals, it's going to be kids that are making a lot of money. It needs to be a coach that doesn't have an ego and is not afraid of the media, but is also not afraid uh, to, you know, work with the media, whatever the case may be. Right. And he, and he, to juxtapose that, he said, you look at Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, and you can throw Brent Venables in there. They're in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and Athens, Georgia, and Norman, Oklahoma. You can control the media. People look up to you. People protect you. People do all can't do that in L.A. No. L.A. is not that kind of environment. He was trying to make the point that Riley would be the guy that could handle that, similar to like a Pete Carroll. Dude, that's not the case. No. Lincoln Riley is a narcissist. He, he is not in any position – to handle the media in the same way a Pete Carroll could. Pete Carroll just let that stuff roll off his back. It didn't, yeah, it he didn't, didn't care what they said. It and, and, think about this. He, every practice was over to the media, all of it. Now, yeah. no coach does that nowadays, right? He yeah. just didn't care. Yeah, come on out. Come see what we're doing. Come write yeah. about our guys. And um, I'll tell you the difference between USC, the, the difference between Pete Carroll, though, and um, Lincoln Riley is Pete Carroll's a defensive coach. People, people want to always forget that. His roots are defensive. He recruited very well defensively. They were very good defensive teams in the early 2000s. Yes, they had Reggie Bush. Yes, they had Matt Leiner. But they were really good defensively. Lincoln Riley has none of that. Alex Grinch is terrible. Uh, USC at Cal. I think Cal, I think USC wins this game. I mean, I don't want to be like an idiot and say, oh, well, I think Cal wins. But would anything surprise you at this point? Not really. Not really. I mean, like I guess no, really. I, I – I would be a little surprised if they lost this game, right? But you just never know, man. They, they've got to reel this thing in before the wheels fall off because the schedule only gets harder. They still got Oregon and Washington left. And, and UCLA. So um, Washington, uh, speaking of Washington, they're at Stanford. Uh, they are a 26.5-point favorite, which is interesting because they only scored 15 last week. Does the Washington offense bounce back? Does Michael Penix Jr. get fully back into the Heisman race? Against I think Stanford? so. I, I think so, man. You, they were due for a bit of a letdown after that incredibly emotional win they had over Oregon, right? They were due for a little bit of a letdown performance. I think it was a good win for them. The performance wasn't great, but just to make a play like that pick six, just get the job done. Kind of like what we saw from OU last week in Central Florida, right? You're not going to – it's not a pretty win, but at this point, it's a culture win, right? You win the, the game. You didn't play your best. You, you found a way to win the game. At the Absolutely. end of the day, right, you guys, Washington wins a national championship. No one's going to be like, oh, well, you almost lost to Arizona State. I could I could see a scenario where Washington puts 50 up on Stanford. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Where they're just playing free and smooth and, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, those receivers, they just get back into their rhythm. With a lot of confidence, and Stanford, Stanford can't hang. Uh, Tennessee at Kentucky. 
Um, Kentucky's getting three and a half at home. I don't know. Josh Heupel is coming off of that Alabama loss. I don't know that I trust him in that spot. Kentucky is still a good team. They're at home. Tennessee's not nearly as good as we thought they were. That might be a game we pick. Keep that on your radar, Kevin. Ohio State at Wisconsin. I think everybody wishes this game was going to be a little better, but Wisconsin just hasn't gotten back to where they've been in the past. Wisconsin's getting 14 and a half at home. We haven't talked a lot about Colorado since that big loss. I guess they had a bye week last week. Colorado's at UCLA. UCLA is a 17-point favorite. Uh, how do you think Coach Prime does in his first game back after giving up 29 points in the second half? Well, I mean, again, I, I, I think that's a well-coached football team. But, man, they're just not good in the trenches, and that's why this line is so high. UCLA has a really good defense, and that defensive line is good. And the Latu kid is a likely first-round pick in the draft coming up. So, man, I they don't have anybody that can block this dude, that can protect Shadura Sanders against that line. That's why this thing is so high. So, again, they'll be they'll be in the game. They'll make plays offensively. But right now, I mean, they just are what they are. Yeah. They're a team with a few explosive weapons on the outside, but they are completely overmatched on both lines of scrimmage. Vandy at number 12, Old Miss. Old Miss, 24 and a half points. North Carolina is at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's getting 11. Washington State at Arizona State. Uh, Washington State's a six-point favorite. Cincinnati at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is a seven and a half-point favorite. I tell you, dude, with each successive week, Oklahoma State makes me more and more nervous. Their big running back looks bigger and bigger and bigger every time I see him on TV. Uh, I, Bowman doesn't particularly scare me. I, I'm not worried about uh, uh, what is it, yeah, Alan, Alan Bowman. Alan, I'm not worried yeah. about Alan Bowman. Yeah. He's he. It's that he's big. Competent. It's, he's a comp- he's, yeah, he's fine, but he's but he's, he's not. Yeah, he's not going to run around on you and make a lot of plays. Um, no, Alan Gordon is what makes that offense go. Oh, uh, Gord, dude, he's just he is. And he's a is he a true freshman? No, he was there last year. Oh, why has he played before, man? That I guy's have really, no really idea. Good. I said it last year. Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, so that guy makes me nervous. So it's going to be interesting to see what Cincinnati does. Does um, I think Oklahoma State probably wins this and sets up a a really really compelling la- uh, last edition of Bedlam next week. Oregon State's at Arizona. Uh, Oregon State's a three uh, three and a half point favorite. Air Force, still in the top 25 at number 19, is at Colorado State, where they're a 13-point favorite. Tulane is at Rice. Tulane, uh, still a 22nd-ranked team, is a 10.5-point favorite. And then Old Dominion at number 25, James Madison, is a 20-point underdog. Here's the deal with teams like James Madison and Air Force. Isn't it just weird to hear those teams in the top 25? It just seems odd. Yeah. We see them, like you know, beating teams like Virginia Tech and, and stuff. It's crazy. When I see James, when I see James Madison, I can't help but think of them being like a 14 seed in the NCAA. I was just gonna say that you think about some team that upsets a two seed in the first round of yeah. the tournament. What, yeah. they, what is this? Yeah, absolutely. They beat yeah. they beat a three seed Kansas State or something like that. Yeah, like, well, uh-huh. shocks everybody. Yeah, yeah. Or nobody, or it's the one that everybody picked. But you know what I mean? Regardless, I just mm-hmm. – and, and I've driven by their stadium, and it's – there's high school stadiums that are bigger than James Madison Stadium. Where is it like, It's in Virginia. Okay. It's in Virginia. Um, And I – I, I've just driven by it, so I don't really know where it's at. It was on the way from um, Washington, D.C. to uh, Buena Vista, kind of near where VMI is. Okay. Virginia military. Mm-hmm. So whatever that road is that you take. And I, again, I have no idea. Uh, the problem with Virginia as a state, and, and maybe this isn't, this isn't a problem if you're a history buff, or maybe it is. You can't hardly go anywhere in that state without there being some significant historical landmark. It's like every single that. exit is a famous college or a president's birthplace or home or, you know, cemetery or a battle site for the civil war or so, I mean, it is it. Virginia is fantastic. The one weird part about this, uh, Kevin, is still very much the old South. All right, which is interesting where it's at geographically, right? It's well, I mean, if you think about Virginia, right? They're the first one of the first. I mean, they were the capital of the Confederacy, right? I mean, yeah. it's, we can't ever forget that. But they consistently blow vote blue. So I think that there's this idea that Virginia is somehow more cosmopolitan like than the rest of the South. Trust me, dude. You drive around there and 
let's just say there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of tops of General Lee cars flying around. If you get my drift, like I a know lot. Exactly what you mean. Yeah, and I love the Dukes yeah. of Hazard. This isn't a knock on Bo and Luke Duke. This is just yeah. saying maybe we've outgrown flying flags up our our flagpoles, but apparently not in Virginia. So yeah, hey, you know whatever, <laughs> free speech and everything, I guess. But um, anyway, uh, I digress. So let's pick some games here, Kevin. Uh, I like. Uh, I want to pick Georgia and Florida. Uh, Florida's getting fourteen and a half. Uh, who do you like? Oh man, you know I'm going to go Georgia here. I think it's a game, right? I think it's a decent game. Florida does some things. They have some creative plays that they run, and they're in it from an intensity standpoint. But I think just eventually the Georgia running game takes over. I am curious though to see how Georgia's offense looks without Brock Byer. Bowers, right? Because he is their main offensive weapon. And without him, I'm just so curious to see how they move the ball through the air. Because they don't only use him in the passing game, they use him in the running game. Like They they call jet sweeps and reverses to him a lot. So it's fascinating to see how they respond without their best offensive player. Um, But I do got Georgia. I want to pick Florida. Um, I, I don't often root for Florida, and I don't know that I'm rooting for them necessarily as much as I just want to see Georgia get beat. I just can't envision a scenario where Billy Napier outcoaches Kirby Smart. It just, to me, to me, I just, I don't see it. Um, to your point, I think it could be a ball game at least through halftime, but then I think Georgia wears them down. Georgia covers the 14 and a half. Um, Oregon at Utah. Winners staying alive in the Pac-12 race. Um, Utah, six and a half point underdog at home. Does Utah have enough to cover the six and a half? Man, I don't think so. I mean, obviously, they're going to show up and they're going to play hard and they're going to have a great game plan. But man, I really like this Oregon team. I like their mental makeup. I like the aggressiveness of the coach, even though it did cost them. They were a little too aggressive against Washington in some instances. But I really like what this Oregon team's about. I love the way they run the ball. Bo Nix is able to throw the ball, and he can run the ball himself. So, man, yeah, I got the Ducks. I've said this all year. I'm rooting for Utah. Utah's the team I want to come out of the Pac-12. Um, I, I just I don't think the pig farmer has enough to outduel Bo Nix. That kid is playing really, really good football. He is. Lanning's defense is is incredibly complimentary to their offense. Utah's a well-coached team, and uh, there's a chance they cover this spread, especially at home, but I just don't see them having enough firepower to do so. I'm going to go with Oregon covering. Um, all right, we've got one game left here because then we're going to pick our, our two games. Um, so I'll let you choose. Uh, Duke at Louisville, any update on Riley Leonard while you were there? Did you happen um, to find out? I heard that they are not sure yet. Okay, so it's still yeah, uh-huh. so no were so you so that, here's some tr- the coaches probably know if we're going to play or not but they're not going to announce it they don't want the other team to know probably. all right here's your choices uh duke at louisville usc at cal tennessee at kentucky um what else looks good maybe colorado ucla and then um what the heck south carolina AM. who do you like let's do duke and louisville Duke and Louisville, you're going to make me pick a game when I don't know if Riley Leonard's playing or not? Right. I'm taking Louisville to cover the four points at home. They are the favorite. I'm going to go with Louisville. I am, too. Now, I really like Duke. I like their defense. I like Mike Elko as the head coach. I honestly think after this season, or at least after next season, we're going to see him get an even better job than Duke. Because I think he's proven that he can build a program. He can recruit and he can develop his players. I like their scheme defensively. But um just because we don't know the status of Riley Leonard, I gotta go with Louisville. How do you what do you think about the job Brahms doing in Louisville though? He's brought him back. Oh, I think he's doing great. A high level of and it's good for him too. Good for that whole program, right? This is a Louisville guy. Yeah. Jeff Brahm, his brother Brian Brahm was a big time recruit in the early two thousands. Had a pretty good career there, played in the NFL for a bit. So good for them, good for Louisville to kind of have their their guy back. He's basically doing what Nebraska fans thought that Scott Frost would do for them. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's good for them. No, he's doing really well. Um, it, it's a good story. I always liked Louisville. Um, 
Petrino always kind of made it hard, but I didn't mind. I like Papa John Stadium. And it, it seemed like the games were always really exciting there, kind of in the early 2010s. Am yeah. I thinking of the right time frame? You are. You are. You yeah. You have those random Thursday night games. They random Thursday. upset somebody. They beat Miami or something. And yeah, it would be like Florida State a couple times. Yeah, it'd be super fun. I I, I didn't mind my I, Louisville back in the day. So anyway, we're going to go with Louisville. All right, before we start talking about uh, Oklahoma and Texas, uh, we need to give a shout out to our sponsor, Brown O'Haver. Brown O'Haver works for the insured, not the insurance company. So if you've had a loss to your home or business, either from wind, theft, tornado, fire, whatever the case may be, if your property has had an insurable loss, you're going to want to call Brown O'Haver at 405-735-5510. We work for you, not the insurance company, in the adjustment of claims. It's our job to get you more money than you'd get on your own. We typically do get our clients 30 to 40% more, and we get them that money more quickly. So give Brown O'Hever a call, 405-735-5510. Kevin, the BYU Cougars are heading down to the University of Texas, 230 kick. Texas is a 17 and a half point favorite. The over under is 50 and a half. Um, recent history against BYU, not favorable for the University of Texas. Taysom Hill still in your dreams and your nightmares. However, Taysom Hill is probably not walking out of that locker room. BYU is last in yards in the Big 12. They're 27.6 points a game. 222 yards passing per game and 79 yards rushing per game. Basically, this is an anemic offense. It is a miracle that they are at five and two. A lot of that is schedule. A lot of that is turnovers on defense. Does BYU have any chance to upset the Texas Longhorns? Yeah, I think there's always a chance, right? Right. First of all, we're going into the game with our backup quarterback. So who knows what's going to happen there if we were to have some turnovers. And again, like you said, in their wins, they've been able to force a lot of turnovers. I think they forced five when they beat Arkansas. It's a lot of turnovers, man. So we got to protect had, the football. I think they had. I think they had five against Texas Tech too. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, now, so what? Okay, over, I don't care who I you mean, find. You, okay, so let's talk about that, right? So clearly, that's the matchup. So the matchup is going to be Malik Murphy making his first start. Correct. Right mm-hmm. now, is he? Redshirt freshman, redshirt red sophomore. Shirt freshman. Red okay, freshman. so he's a redshirt freshman making his first start. He is at home, so I think that helps. But he's making his first start against a very opportunistic defense. What is the concern level about Malik Murphy, and do you think that changes Sark's um, strategy, play calling? Does he put more in the hands of Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter? What What's your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I mean – First of all, I'm excited to see Malik. We don't know much about him. All we know is he looks apart. Every yeah, bit of six foot five. He is a cannon. He he is an Adonis. He is like he if, yeah. if Michael B. Jordan played quarterback. Well, he did play quarterback. <laughs> he did play quarterback for the uh uh oh my gosh. What was the team's name? In Friday Night Lights. Dylan. Oh. He was a Dylan Panther. Dylan he was a Dylan Panther. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And when he went on to college, he looked like Malik Murphy. Go ahead. Sorry. There you go. So, I mean, six foot five. He's got a cannon of an arm. Right. But we've never seen him play. Right. He's done a few passes. He's only played in two games so far this year. We talked about this in the last episode. That was my annoyance with Texas playing up and down to their competition because we never blow anybody out, which means our backups never really get to play. We don't get you know, a chance to put a guy like Malik Murphy in the game in the, in the third quarter where he can go out and actually throw the ball instead of coming in and just handing the ball off for a few times. So we have no idea what to expect from him. Sark is going to have to find what he is best at. What is he most comfortable doing? Is, is that going to be the deep ball? Is it just going to be a lot say, of bubble screens? He sure looks comfortable throwing a ball 70 yards. I know exactly that. right. But I don't know. know I don't know if he. I don't know if he knows where he's throwing it. But boy, he. I mean, he can throw it seventy yards. He's like standing right? flat footed. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I, I want to see what kind of plan they draw for him. Is it? Is it going to be deep balls? Because we know Quinn is not great at the deep ball. He can hit some, but he's not consistent. Quinn works in the middle of the field. That's where he's at his best. So I want to see what they do for him. I'm sure they're going to have a plan that protects him. Heavy usage of the running backs. 
both in the running game and in the passing game. I expect to see a lot from the tight ends, JT Sanders and Gunnar Helm. And everybody's going to have to step up. They're going to have to protect. Running backs are going to have to pass block well. He's going to have to get the ball out quickly. So I'm excited to see him play. Okay, so here's your next question, right? So I I don't know. Uh, When I hear the size that you mentioned, I I immediately think that there's going to be a quarterback run game dimension. Right, he's gonna, he's gonna. There might be some called runs for him. Um, whether they're quarterback draws, you know, he's not Lamar Jackson, but maybe more of a Cam Newton kind of plotter. Correct me if I'm wrong. And if that's the case, does it really not matter though? Because we ain't, we don't want to see Arch, right? So we don't want what happened to Quinn to happen to Malik. So even if, even if the quarterback run game is maybe one of his strengths, it is that just basically going to be negligible because and I don't want to see you, Arch Manning. It's not one of his strengths. He is a legit, he is a pro style quarterback, right? Think of Byron Leftwich at Marshall. Okay. He's a big guy. He's a pocket passer. Getting carried, you know, getting carried by the offensive offensive line when he's playing on an injured ankle. Yeah. Love it. On Thursday night football. So shout out to Byron Leftwich. Yeah. So good. So good. He's like a great guy, too. Good offensive coordinator for Tom Brady. Offensive coordinator for the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So. Think of um, that big, strong kid, big, strong arm. But no, he is going to sit in the pocket and make throws. And I'm just, I'm excited to see him play. As long as he protects the football, I think we'll be okay. He's got to protect the football, and we got to run the ball well. We'll be all right. Okay, so I've been bringing up doom and gloom. Like, what about turnovers? What about not being able to run the ball? What about all the fears of having a first-time quarterback starting? Let's just think about. Let's go into the world of like fantasy and positivity for a minute. What happens if dude rolls out and throws four touchdowns, no interceptions, 340 yards. And for the first time, it feels like this offense really, really clicks like since the, since the Alabama game, but against the BYU team granted, but still just really clicks, really hums. You haven't seen that against an inferior opponent. Um, Does it delay the return of our, of Quinn Ewers. Is there anything that can delay the return of Quinn Ewers besides Quinn's shoulder? Man, okay, not I don't think in this game. Now, next week against K-State, you know, because honestly, I don't expect to see Quinn for like, like the next Real, real quick, real quick, everybody, uh, you really need to be watching this on the YouTube. Uh, the smile on Kevin Miller's face when I started talking about Malik Murphy going – for four touchdowns and 330 yards, no interceptions. I mean, it was like it's the most teeth he's shown in the two years that we've done this show. So, well, you know, I haven't. He's clearly I haven't very about, excited. <laughs> I haven't thought about any type of quarterback controversy, right? Like, I, you know, a lot of OU fans before the season was like, oh, there's a controversy. Arch might be the starter. And I kept saying, no, Arch is not going to play. He's hardly going to play at all this year. There's no controversy. Quinn Yu is the starting quarterback. So you said in a fantasy, world, right? And that would be a fantasy, right? If Malik Murphy comes in his first start against a team like BYU and goes, you know, 30 or 35 or 400 yards and four touchdowns. Again, like you said, though, if it happens two games in a row, three, because like I said, I don't expect to see Quinn for at least the next three games. I could be Are wrong. Are you serious? I am. Oh, I didn't realize it week was- to week, but I've heard, I've heard three games for Quinn. What and is, everybody has different sources, whatever. Listen, we talked about it last I last episode, but I what know. a stupid just, play. you got to be smarter than that. Done that. I know. And it's almost like he got – like he was running and he was trying to decide what he was going to do. Yeah. Decide, and then he just kind of got frozen and just kind of leaned forward right into a 6'4", 250-pound linebacker. Yeah, can't it's still it. stupid. You can't do it. It is. Uh, it is. Listen, BYU is not good. Uh, your defense should fly around. Uh, we talked a little bit about Anthony Hill Jr. offline um, not being featured as prominently in the defense or at least being as noticed. Uh, I I don't notice him as much, but you're telling me that that's not necessarily the case. Or what was your take he, on Anthony Hill is, Jr.? Yeah, he's playing. He's playing very well. They're just not using him as a rusher like they were. They're actually using him. Because uh, basically, we have two linebackers, Jalen Ford and David Benda, and then they would use him to come in as a rusher, to almost play as an edge player. What they do now is he's been replacing Benda a lot as the second linebacker because he's been playing 
just a traditional off-the-ball linebacker very well. So he's taken a lot of bend to snaps there. They haven't been using him off the edge nearly as much in the past few games. I'm not sure why, what that is. I would love to see him on the edge because I think he can just create havoc in the backfield. But I'm not where sure. Did I he, think they like – go ahead. Where was, he, where was he primarily playing in the, in the OU game? He was playing both. He got pressure on Gabriel a few times, but, you know, we couldn't get Gabriel on the ground. Well, I just think back, he only had one sack in that game, and I'm just thinking coming into that game, he was one of your best rushers and getting to the quarterback, you know? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, you guys have good tackles, though, you know? Y- yeah, no. Well, l- listen, they be- they look a whole lot better after the Texas game, than, you know, than, than we thought. But, yeah, no, we're pretty happy with them. But I don't know. It's just like, God, you have such a dynamic player. You, you kind of want to yeah. see him. We talked about because we talked yeah, about right? when we, we did. When we, we talked, talked about him all season. Yeah, and when yeah. we talked about, I like, like him being talk, unleashed. I like him getting after the quarterback because we talked so about dynamic. Well, we talked about him in comparison with PJ at a at, at a bar at a bar, and we were even using the Micah Parsons comparison to both of those players, which just says that position is so critical to disrupting an offense. And to see them take him off of that, which he did really well, is that because Binda is not any good playing linebacker? Or did they literally have another edge rusher that they like better than Anthony Hill Jr.? Like, I don't understand the rationale. Yeah, that, well, there, we don't have a better guy getting after the quarterback than he can. No way. So but, how can that be How can that be more important than him playing off-the-ball linebacker? Like, you know, it, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what P.K. Pete Wisconsin is, is thinking there, right? He's good against the run. He's been okay in coverage. My concern with our defense is how we've been allowing those crossing routes. Right? You saw but it. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that speak? To, wouldn't that speak to him in the linebacker spot, though? Maybe he's Correct. not great in coverage. It's it's a zone thing, right? And it's weird because they're getting kind of caught in between two things, like a pick your poison type deal. So teams are exploiting that, especially when teams have a mobile quarterback. So we face a mobile quarterback the last two games donovan smith for houston and then of course dylan gabriel and you know they got concerned on that last drive against ou with gabriel running the ball so they were spying in kind of keying in on him and they got beat from behind on those crosses. and when he was and when he'd step in the he'd step up in the pocket is when they would come forward and that's when we were dumping it over to stoops yeah correct Uh uh-huh and same thing houston did the same thing with donovan smith Donovan Smith really hurt Texas in the running game last year when he was at Texas Tech, right? He was their quarterback when they beat Texas. He really hurt us running the football, especially on third down. He was running for 12. It'd be third and 10, he'll get 12. Third and six, he gets seven. So they're really keen on him running the ball. And if you look at it, they didn't. They were fine with that. They didn't even test it because they saw how Texas lined up and they just took those crossing routes. So they got to find a way to be able to to cover both. Now, Slovis is not that type of quarterback. No, Slovis He's is not, not any type. Slovis isn't any type of quarterback. I mean, I think he, <laughs> so I think he threw for I mean, he threw for 123 yards against Texas Tech, and yet, Correct. I mean, listen to these scores. Uh, okay, yeah. So they beat Sam Houston was a terrible score. It was like 14 to 10, and we were like, oh, they're terrible. Then they beat a Southern Utah team. Not whatever. That doesn't matter. But listen to the three wins that they do have. Okay, Arkansas, Cincinnati, and Texas Tech. When you just hear those names, those are not the worst teams in the world. Not at all, no. They're not the worst teams in the world, right? Um, they beat Arkansas 38-31 at Arkansas. They put up 38 points. Cincinnati, I think it was at BYU, 35-27. And then they beat Texas Tech at home 27-14. So in those three games, it's like, man, you know what you're doing. Like, you're you're pretty good. But then they lose to KU 38-27. They lose to TCU 44-11. TCU has proven not to be a very good team. They're very average at best. Yeah, they're um, really up and down. And so it's just, I don't know. I mean, I think for BYU, they're sitting here wanting to pounce on the fact that Malik Murphy's not there. But they still have to defend Jonathan Brooks and Baxter and, you know, JT Sanders and all the rest of them. I just, I don't think it's a good matchup for BYU. Uh, but anything can happen. All right, let's pick this game. Uh, oh, what did I have? I'm really surprised that this spreads the line has stayed where it has. You think it would come back for not having yours? Yeah, at least a couple points. Mm-mm. People are laying money on Texas, man. They see the game and they want to lay money on Texas. 
They just don't think BYU is any good. It's not a big, it's not a, it's not a where they think the game's going to be. It's just people just unloading on Texas. So, yeah. Um, the over under is at 15 and a half, which means Vegas thinks the score is going to be somewhere around 34 16. Um, I could see that being the score. 17 and a half is a lot. It's a lot with a backup quarterback. He's the backup for a reason. And for that reason, I'm going to take BYU to cover, but just barely. They might cover by the half point. I could see it being 33-16 because I think Texas is better. I think they're two touchdowns better. I just don't think that they are going to cover the 17 and a half. But this is not to say Texas doesn't win convincingly against BYU, but BYU does cover the 17 and a half. I completely agree with you. I have the exact same take on that. I think Texas wins. I think they win comfortably. It's never really in doubt, but I think BYU does cover. This is a football team with a lot of mature guys on there, right? So, and with the quarterback making his first start, I think BYU may key on a few things that would make a a young quarterback comfortable. So I think that's how they keep it semi-close. Um, switching to the University of Oklahoma, they head to Lawrence, Kansas. The forecast for Lawrence, Kansas is um, at kickoff at 11 a.m. is mid-30s with winds gusting up to 25 miles an hour with wind chills in the low 20s until halftime when the rain shows up and it is then low 40s with wind chills in the high 20s and rain. So if you're looking to make the trip to Lawrence, Kansas, make sure and pack appropriately for the god-awfulest weather you could possibly imagine to watch a game in Lawrence, Kansas. Doesn't that sound terrible? This sounds absolutely miserable. It's still October, man. Come on. It sounds gross. So that's what Oklahoma has to face there. It is big noon kickoff. So this might be Oklahoma's. uh, They probably were big noon against – they were big noon against Texas – were we? Yeah, they were big noon against Texas. No, right? that was on. No, they weren't. They was weren't. ABC. It was game day. That was game day. Were they yeah. big noon for Cincinnati? Yes. Gus and Joel okay. were there for that one. Yeah. So I think this is the second big noon kickoff game. But we don't get Gus and Joel and Jenny. That is so interesting, right? They sent them to Oregon, Utah, right? They sent them to Oregon, Utah. I'm not totally butthurt with that, but I really would have loved a Gus and Joel game. Like, Do you know yep. who's, who's calling you? Do you know? Great question. So I looked it up. So it's Jason Benetti. Brock Heward and Allison Williams. So it could be worse. First of all, it could be worse. Brock Heward sometimes can be a bit much, but that's fine. Whatever. Allison Williams, she's fine. But the Jason Benetti guy, I'm probably, I don't want, I, I want to say this, like what I'm about to say, like the entire thing, I hope comes across the right way. But my first thought was, isn't Jason Benetti that weird looking dude? And then I looked him up. Oh man. Okay. And he is, he is the weird looking dude, right? And so I Google him up. I'm like, then I read his story. Do you know what Jason Benetti's story is? What his background is? No. He has cerebral palsy. He's effectively a disabled American. And yet he's sitting here. He's he's the lead uh, play-by-play guy for the Chicago White Sox and then calls all the football games during the season for Fox on their second crew. The guy's actually really good. I just think he's kind of different looking. Obviously, he's different looking because he has cerebral palsy. So I, I, I want to apologize for saying that that makes you look different. In fact, after hearing the story, it's like, man, this guy's really, really cool. Yeah, that's and, outstanding. Yeah, and he does like a lot of work. And if you think about it, like television as a medium is probably really hard to get into for somebody that's disabled just because of just the, the sheer nature of the medium. Correct. And yet here he is on Fox calling a national coverage game and does it all the time. The dude does it all the time. So shout out to Jason Benetti, man. You're making me kind of a fan. So I'm looking forward to him calling the game. I like yeah, for cool. sure. And just be glad you guys, honestly, you didn't get Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman. Because... Listen, dude, I like Spencer Tillman when he was in studio. Yeah. When he, Spencer Tillman was in studio, he had good takes. Like he, he he kind of he kind of would he kind of was not afraid to say things you know and talk about players rights and stuff like that but on the call and I love Spencer Tillman sooner born sooner bred whatever I just oh it's kind of annoying and Tim Brando's too much he's oh, too Brando's much the worst man too much I can't stand it all right 
Um, anyway, this game features a 7-0 Oklahoma team versus a 5-2 Kansas team. Um, Oklahoma's got the statistical edge both in total offensive yards. They're averaging about 50 more yards a game. They're averaging eight more points a game. Um, yards allowed. Uh, they're averaging about 20 yards less than Kansas. Uh, a little bit better in the running game. 16.1 points per game allowed by Oklahoma. 27.4 allowed by Kansas. I think Kansas is a very good team. I think Jason Bean is. I think Jason Bean is a very solid quarterback. Sixty-five percent completion percentage on the year, averaging nine point six yards per completion, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, um, and to be called into duty when he was against Texas put him at a really big disadvantage. I think that game. I don't know that y'all lose the game, but I think it could have been different, right? If the guy had a week of preparation, yeah, he'd have been able to prepare for the game for sure. We wouldn't have beat him. Um, so he's got a week. Yeah, so he's got a week to prepare um, for this one. Uh, I think he's pretty good. Devin Neal, really good running back, two really good running backs. He's got uh, 659 yards on the year, 7.3 yards per carry, six touchdowns. Daniel Highshaw is averaging 6.4 yards a carry, six touchdowns. Their big-time receivers, Lawrence Arnold with 25 receptions, 324 yards and a touchdown. Um, I don't know, dude. This is not a game that I feel entirely comfortable with, whether it's the weather, whether it's what I saw against UCF, um, whether it's what the heck's going on with our run game, which is still a big, big question mark. We saw a glimmer of hope from Gavin Sawchuk in the fourth quarter against UCF. If we could see more of that, I'd feel better. Hopefully, Tawi Walker's back playing and he hasn't pissed off DeMarco Murray in a team meeting or whatever the heck happened. Um, but this just falls in a very interesting spot. And it also falls a week before we play Oklahoma State in the last Bedlam game. I really hope this isn't a team that Oklahoma's overlooking. I hope that UCF was that team and Kansas is not that team. Yeah, I mean, look, you guys are a much better team than, than Kansas, right? But again, you have to take them seriously. You can't show up to their stadium thing. Oh, we're just going to go out and we don't have to be at our best to win because you do. Because they've got playmakers. We talked about being – now, is Daniel still not playing? Is he – have you heard anything nope. about him, his status? He's not playing. I mean, I've got – the last – this is uh, this is Wednesday at 9.15. The last I had heard is that he was not playing. It's Jay, Jay is... Lynn or Jay Den. Remind me which one he is. I think it's Jay Lynn. I mean, I don't think he's playing. Well, here it goes. One hour ago, Coy about Jalen Daniels' availability. Man, who knows, right? It's just a weird deal. I said he got injured. Was it in his hotel or something like yeah, that? It's a, before this? it's a it's a back injury. Yeah. And again, he's his his latest. Yeah, here it is. This is the latest as of nine fifteen on a Wednesday night. Is he might play? So I, I yeah, think you, I think you, I kind of think you got to prepare for Bean. Uh, and here's the deal with the back injury: even if he's good to go, man, that that is you know, that's not not some quarterback. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. Yeah, and, and you've got a pretty back good, injury out there, and you've got a pretty good defensive line you're going up against. So I I don't I mean his best things are running the ball. You want him to get hit by guys like Ethan Daniels and Stutz, Ethan Downs and Stutzman and Canick and. Billy Bowman, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that this is the game you bring him back in. Yeah, but, it sounds like it's going to be Jason Bean. He, he can do some good things, right? He better, he played a pretty decent game against y'all last year, obviously. Yes, he did. Yes, this he is did. not the same defense, though. You got, you know, you guys are night and day defensively from where you were in that game last year. But, like we said, he's a competent backup quarterback. He can make some plays. He's a good athlete, too. But wouldn't the doesn't the weather wouldn't the weather stress you out if Texas was having to go in these conditions and go against oh, Kansas? Yeah, yeah, I would want no part of that. I mean, because here's the deal, right? We're not running the ball well. Okay, we're 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 averaging 168 yards rushing a game. A lot of that's coming on the heel uh, off of off of on the legs of uh, um, Dylan Gabriel. Um, we we've got zero rhythm right now in our run game. So, again, Salchuk showed us a glimmer. I really hope he brings it. To me, he still has the most upside of any running back on the roster. 
So I would love to see him get a lot of carries. I just don't know if we're going to. Talway Walker is our best our running back. At least he has been. But again, I, I, you know, availability is your best ability, and he wasn't available last week. So who the heck knows? And then this is an environment or a game situation where if the conditions are what they describe, you're going to have to run the ball. You're going to have and, to run the ball. Yeah. You have to I, stick with it. And I will say, I've, I've said this before, but Levy has done a better job sticking with the running game, even if it's not working the way you would like. I like the way I like, I agree. I like the way he stuck with it against Texas. I said that before the Texas game. If you remember, even if we weren't running it effectively, we had to continue to run it because your defensive line could not pin their ears back. And so he did do a good job in the Texas game running the ball. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see more of that. And well, look, Dylan Gabriel's going to have to run the ball too. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to have to, he's going to have to run the ball. And he didn't, he didn't run the ball. Golly, did he run the ball a lot? Against I UCF, so. I don't feel I like don't he remember did. Him. No, I don't. And here's the thing, though. I will say this about Kansas. Their defense is not great. Their plays to be made against the defense. I thought it was interesting when Texas played them because they went – They Texas had almost 300 yards of offense in the first half, but only, they only had like 10 points. They couldn't finish in the red zone, obviously. But they can get after the quarterback. I will say that they got some guys who can rush. Again, you guys have good tackles, but just look out for that because they got a few guys out there who can who can get after the quarterback. So I'm I'm interested in watching that matchup between their defensive line and, and your offensive line when it comes to rushing the passer. I do think they can be run on. Texas ran all over them with uh, Jonathan Brooks. Well, I hope you're right, and that 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 is the matchup on the on the defensive side. It's their run game. I mean, I think Jason Bean's a pretty good quarterback, but I don't think his arm is going to beat us. I think it's going to be Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw. If they can, if they average 7.3 and 6.4 respectively against us, if Stutzman and Kanick don't have a really big game uh, and the defensive line gets after it and, and, and creates some tackles for loss, that that could be a very big determining factor in Kansas's upset bid. Because if yeah. they run the ball really well in these conditions and we don't, and they keep the ball out of our hands and, you know, keep us off the field, kind of that old formula that's always been the case for Oklahoma. And really, let's face it, it's the case for anybody, right? You keep yeah. the ball, they don't have the ball. Like, that's some kind of brilliant strategy. Um, but if they do, uh, if they're able to, you know, negotiate that and make that happen and get Devin Neal some running room, it could be a long day. I, I don't know. I The line seems about right to me. What did I have? Did I have it at 10, 10 and a half? I think it's 10, 10 or 10 and a half. You know, and I want to see Highshaw, right? I mean, a kid from Moore, Oklahoma. I'm sure, like most kids in this state, he dreamed of playing for OU. He's at Kansas, so I'm sure he'll have a little motivation, right? Texas has to deal with that all the time, playing against guys who wanted to go to Texas, didn't get the opportunity, and so now they're eager to kind of show the local team what they're missing. So I'm curious to see how he plays. Uh, that You know, that's an interesting side note. Uh, Venables is doing a much better job recruiting in-state talent and and then also doing a really good job of using things like preferred walk-ons and other ways of getting in-state talent to sh- to come to Oklahoma. Yeah, you got to keep the best guys. In, I don't care what state it is. There are going to be a few guys who are good enough to go. If there are guys in this state who are good enough to go. You can't have guys going to Ohio State, Josh Proctor, no. Dax Hill, going to Michigan. That can't happen if you're Oklahoma. The kid from um, Tulsa, I forget the kid's name, who went to Oregon. Right now, you got you to keep those guys in state. So yeah. I think he's doing a good job. Establishing those relationships more with the Tulsa high school. But, but but even like a high shell, right? So And I don't remember his recruiting necessarily. I he, But the problem back in the day was he went people – Lincoln wasn't even offering kids, you know, that were on the fringes in, in Oklahoma. It just – it was like below beneath him to think about it, whereas – uh Venables is doing a really good job of saying, hey, dude, listen, we want you to come to Oklahoma. You want to come to Oklahoma. This is your best opportunity. It's a preferred walk-on. We get you in here. If you demonstrate your ability to play, you're on the team. Like, yeah. giving him every opportunity to make the team and keep him from going to a place like Kansas where he does play with a super big chip on his shoulder, and you hope the guy doesn't run for 200 yards. Um, uh, speaking of Michigan real quick, you brought up Dax Hill. We didn't talk about this. We need to pick the Oklahoma game. But before we do that, really quick, 
the cheating allegations at Michigan have gotten more serious. Here's my here's my take on it though, is if if these are true, they have to do something about it this year. Correct. This year. Correct. Because what are they going to do? Like vacate a national championship? Who the hell cares about a vacated national? It means nothing. Yeah, like I hear sometimes people say, oh, USC, like the 05 or the 04 national championship didn't count. Well, I know what I saw that day. Yeah, we all know. Yeah, right. we all know what we saw. And it's it's the, Reggie Bush won the Heisman. Like, stop. Like, correct. So if there's truly the uh, a widespread belief and there's some proof and everybody kind of – the and I think the only – Person that can do it's the Big Ten, right? I don't know that the NCAA has the power to make a decision that quick. You know, I'm not sure. And what do you do? Like, how do you punish them? I think the I think the Big Ten has to suspend them from postseason play. Wow, can you imagine that? Well, I think it'd be terrible, but but if that's what they're saying, if that's what they're saying, saying they they don't deserve it. But wow, can you imagine that though? This season with the team that they have, that would be insane. I'm not saying Um, it's not right either, but. If it was a lesser program, they would have. If it was a lesser program, they would have already done it. If it was Indiana or, or, and I'm just using the Big Ten as the example. So, but if it was Indiana or Purdue or Minnesota, and they had Mm -hmm. done that, they'd be like, "Oh, you're suspended from postseason play," meaning that they don't get to go play in the Lumberjack Bowl or some crap. Yeah, but the team probably would have jumped in front of it and said, "Well, we're going to suspend ourselves. We're going to forfeit our right to play postseason football this year." But they've got it. But but if this is the truth, like if I'm Ohio State. If I'm Penn State, I'm throwing a living fit, dude. I'm like, you're out of y'all's mind if you're going to let this let this guy play in our Big Ten championship game. Did you see the screenshot of the guy's kind of laminated sheet that had, like, the hand signals and kind of what they mean? I don't know if you saw that. No, is it pretty elaborate? Yeah, it's pretty elaborate. It's like, hold that. It looks like a play sheet that a coach would carry. Look, dude, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, I, I get all that, but you got caught. Like, you got, you got, yeah, caught. You got caught, man. Like, exactly. Life sucks, but and he left a paper trail too. Oh, Buying tickets to all these games. It's like, come on, man. It's am- amateur hour here. It, yeah, dude. It's like a. There's a uh, what show is it? It's on HBO Max. I guess it's just Max now for those that are uh, sticklers. But on Max, there's the plumbers or the White okay, House I've plumbers. Heard about that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and it uh, it's the bumbling crooks of Watergate. I mean, they are just beyond stupid, and it, it's Woody Harrelson who's just fantastic actor. White man, yeah, about that guy. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. and um, he was so good in that. He was so good in it, and it's it's what it reminds me of, right? Just a complete and total ineptitude. And it's like if you're going to cheat, like at least be good at it. So yeah, that's. But it. again, though, if I'm Ohio State or Penn State, I'm saying, guys, what are we doing? Hey, they shouldn't be allowed to play for the Big Ten championship. Like, they shouldn't be allowed to play for the Big Ten championship. So, Did you see there was kind of an article that about Venables being when he was at Clemson being accused of um, stealing signals? Now they didn't go into. I don't know. Did you see that? I have not. I need to check this out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Again, again, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. I don't. Correct. You, you they're all trying. I mean, the reason people are holding up the big curtains and and they have multiple signs and it's it. The reason you have signs to begin with, instead of just say pass to J, uh, JT Sanders, right, is because you yeah. don't want them to know you're going to pass. So it's like this is as old as time. But what Michigan was doing is a little out of bounds. All right, back to Oklahoma. It's a ten point fit. It's a ten point spread. Sixty five is the over and under. That means Vegas thinks the score is going to be around thirty eight to twenty eight. <laughs> Oklahoma up until last week had covered the spread on every game. So they were 6-0 and covering the spread going into last week. They failed me miserably. I think they get back on their track. I think they cover the 10. But like the Texas game, I think it's like 38-27. I think they cover it by one point. Like I don't, I don't feel like they're blowing Kansas out, but I do think that they're a better team. I think they do win the game. I think it's lower. I would take the under, especially with the conditions. But I'm taking Oklahoma to cover the 10. Yeah, I think Kansas will hit a couple big plays, but I think overall you guys will play really well defensively. Right? They they've got dudes. They've got Bean who can make some things happen running and throwing the ball. Neil, high shot. They'll hit a couple big plays that you that you won't like. But I think OU wins and I think y'all cover. 
Kevin, it's shaping up to be a pretty nice little Saturday, and I'm excited to watch some good games. Um, any final thoughts before uh, we close this episode out? Man, just kind of what we talked about with Texas. Man, I'm just really excited to see what Malik Murphy can do. Um, it's a great opportunity for him. I'm going to miss Quinn Ewers because I think I know a lot of people, especially fans of OU, are, don't think that Quinn's very good. I think he's having a great season, 70% completion percentage, barely turning the ball over at all. So, But um, it's a great oh, opportunity three, for him. He had three turnovers a couple. He had three turnovers about three weeks ago. I don't know. Maybe he did. Yeah. Two and a half um, weeks ago, he did. had three turnovers. Yeah, he, he threw did. two interceptions that's credit in the first to your, um That's credit to he, your defense, though. And then he had a fumble. And then he had a fumble. He did. Mm-hmm. Only one incompletion in the second half. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was the score? Yeah. 34-30. That's right. Yeah. He lit up that defense, though. Um, Listen, it's always exciting to watch your backup quarterback, especially if you think he's going to be good, especially against a team like BYU. Like, that's that's the perfect scenario to have your backup quarterback come in. Yeah, we're not rolling him out there in the cotton bowl. Well, you're not rolling him out in the Cod Bowl. We've seen that happen, and you're not rolling him out even against like a like a like a Kansas State here in two weeks because that would be or or a hostile environment even like Houston where you should beat Houston. Roll him out in a hostile environment. He performed pretty well in that hostile environment when he got thrown in there, but you know a whole game of it, it it would be you know you're asking a lot of a backup quarterback. I think this is a pretty good opportunity for him. I think that there's a possibility he puts a little heat on Quinn. But, you know, that remains to be seen. As far as Oklahoma goes, this is a win. This is a win and get the hell out of Lawrence situation. With the way the weather is going to be, with the type of team Kansas is that can make the game ugly, win, get the heck out, and get ready for Bedlam. Yeah, it doesn't have to be pretty, right? Like we talked about on our last show, it's like, just win the game, man. (laughs) Just get the win, get out of there, and just move on to the next week. 100%. 100%. All right, dude. Hey, man, we went a little long tonight, but that's okay because football's fantastic. Kevin, have a great night. Boomer. Okay.